Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Iranian Market Minute. Today is Wednesday, June 29th, and this is episode number 145. My name is Justin Hewn. I am your host and the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro Newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you hear or see in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. All right. Uh, good to be back with you guys again today. Um, going to be a relatively short episode, but I have some uh, interesting news around SMRs to discuss in the mailbag section today. And uh, But before we do that, let's go quickly through the daily scoreboard and the charts. Spot price of uranium here, $50 a pound mid-market, up 50 cents from yesterday. Again, the spot price is moving out up without the uh, assistance, let's say, of the spot vehicle. So now we have the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust trading at a very, very large discount to NAV. Yesterday, they closed at a 12.79% discount to NAV. Then today, both the spot price being up and the trust actually trading down over 4% at one point during the day, we reached probably close to a 17% plus discount to the net asset value, which is historically, I believe, the largest discount that we have seen for this vehicle. Um, so that's a very, very large discount to NAV. Point being, there's definitely seems to be some action happening in the spot market in terms of some other traders, uh, perhaps even utilities participating in the spot market without spot and without necessarily the expectation of funds flows coming into spot, moving the trust higher, um, therefore kind of arbitraging that discrepancy. So it's very interesting to see that spots out of the market, but the prices keep climbing. Um, very, I'm liking to see that very much. Of course, being at such a big discount to NAV, they did not raise any new money. Uh, they also did not purchase any pounds with that remaining 65.5 million that they are sitting on in cash. The two F equity ETFs both reported increases in, in their outstanding shares. URA reported 90,000 increase in outstanding shares and URNM outstanding shares increased by 25,000. Now that likely is coming from, uh, let's see, the 24th. That was Friday. We had a pretty big update on Friday, and uh, that was most likely decent volumes in both ETFs. Most likely that share issuance came from Friday. Like I've mentioned before, we have a decent lag time between the days where SPUT is, excuse me, where the ETFs are either selling down their holdings to buy back shares and redeem shares or actually um, issuing shares and in uh, raising cash to buy the underlying holdings. And so the days that that's happening, that's happening in real time and the reporting of that lags by a few days. So either way, that uh, share issuance from both ETFs equates to around 2.8 million in mandated buying on the day that those issuances took place. All right, let's take a look at the charts. We had a pretty ugly day across all mining sectors today and uranium was no exception. In addition to that, we also have um, URA going ex-dividend, paying a 10 cent dividend, a relatively small dividend, especially compared to the previous dividend that they paid in January, early January. And if you recall the end of the year sell-off that came from URA's uh, dividend going ex-dividend really was kind of the nail in the coffin after a big pullback in December from those November highs. Well, URA has done it again and adding insult to injury today on a day, like I said, where we saw mining shares, resource shares, sell off across multiple sectors. And uranium, of course, was no exception to that. 
URA down 3.38% today, not on huge volume, but did break back below that trend line. Uh, let's look at the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust here. What, like I mentioned, was down pretty big today, it was down over 4%, bottomed out at 1332 Canadian and closed at 1374, down 1.5% on the day, all things considered, not too shabby, especially with uranium price up uh, relative to the S&P, which closed slightly down, pretty boring flat day. This is an odd day where the broad markets were essentially flat, but it just didn't feel like a bullish day. Um, it just felt blah. And all the resource stocks um, had a pretty had a pretty bloody uh, experience as well. URNM relative to the S&P, let's take a look at that. We underperformed the S&P, obviously, with URNM down, um, I believe, around 4% today in the S&P flat. Well, 3.5% with the S&P relatively flat. Broke back below that lower trend line. I would like to see this not go any further below that trend line. I would obviously like to see that trend line hold um, through whatever happens in the broad markets and at least trade in line with that and therefore maintaining this longer term trend of outperformance of the S&P. Let's take one last look here at Cameco. Cameco down 3.67% on the day. Um, negligible volume. Volume continues to decline as the shares sort of weaken over the past couple of weeks. So we continue to be in this risk off mode across markets and the resource markets today. Seemed like uranium got hit by its association sometimes that it does have with all resources, uh, commodities, uh, other mining stocks, the gold and silver stocks getting pummeled in the early hours trading as well. Um, the, the oil stocks, uh, oil itself, all of these were pretty weak today. And then you add to that any selling that had come from URA and you have a decently weak day with ETFs, ETFs off three or 4%. All right, mailbag section. So um, I just kind of took note today of a number of uh, news headlines. And if you don't already subscribe to them, you can go to the WNA website, World Nuclear Association, and you can subscribe to their daily emails. And they will send out um, a, a top headlines of the day email. And it has um, all things nuclear. It's obviously not just related to the uranium mining stocks and uranium mining, but everything that's going on with nuclear. These are new plant builds. These are plants that are being decommissioned. This is, this is SMR news, um, et cetera, et cetera. And anything that's involved in the nuclear energy world will find its way into these headline emails. And I highly recommend you subscribe to those emails. So go to the WNA website. I believe it's WNA.org, uh, if I recall correctly. Um, let's see, uh, world, excuse me, world-nuclear, world-nuclear.org. And you will find uh, somewhere on that website to subscribe to their emails. So with all of that said, um, I was reading the email that came in today and there was a news headline about SMRs and I had just been on Twitter and there was something else about SMRs. And then I also get the, the headline news emails from UXC that comes from um, subscribers to the UX Weekly product that there was another piece of news about SMRs and they were all different stories. And I was like, man, I'm just seeing SMR news everywhere. And I wanted to um, kind of complement that with some commentary that came from Segra. And so first of all, I'm gonna run through a, a couple of news headlines here about SMRs. So if you don't know what SMRs are, it stands for small modular reactors. These are reactors that technically I believe are, are supposed to be below that 350 megawatt-ish range and smaller. And most modern reactors are, you know, roughly around a thousand megawatts. 
per reactor. Um, some of them are bigger, some of them are slightly smaller, but roughly that's kind of the ballpark for a modern large nuclear reactor. And the SMRs, the exciting ideas around SMRs are that they, um, and this is speaking generally, there are many, many designs that are in um, you know, early stages of, of R&D. Uh, a lot of different companies, private and well, a couple of them public, that are working on SMRs. Rolls-Royce is building SMRs um, or designing SMRs. GE Hitachi designing SMRs. Uh, New Scale, which is um, publicly listed, um, designing SMRs. TerraPower, which is co-founded by Bill Gates, are designing SMRs. Uh, the list goes on. There's a lot of GE Hitachi. So there's a lot of different companies exploring these. And it's, it's a very, very exciting space because one of the big drawbacks to nuclear power is historically, and obviously this depends on where it's built and who's doing the building, but is the long lead times and the expense for building these very, very large reactors. So uh, one classic example of that would be the Vodal plant that's been under construction in the United States for what, 15 years now? It's, it's $10 billion plus dollars over budget. Um, and obviously in the United States, you're going to find the most, uh, let's say, thick bureaucratic red tape probably in the world with a project like this. So it's probably the ultimate example of something like this. And then you'll find an example of, let's say, um, the Koreans building building the Baraka plant in, um, in the UAE. And they built that, what, in six or seven years, and it was on time, on budget. So you'll have, uh, you know, varying, varying uh, comparisons of timescales, but generally speaking, large nuclear plants take a long time, roughly around a decade, and they cost 10 plus, 20 plus billion, uh, if you were talking the United States in a modern sort of Western country. Uh, the Chinese, of course, are knocking them out like gangbusters, almost, you know, at least once a week, we'll hear a story about first concrete port or about a new, new reactor um, being connected to the grid. So they're going all out, absolutely all out. I believe they have more than 20 reactors under construction right now. And they've got 50 in the pipeline. So uh, China is kind of their own story. They're, they're providing, with an exception of the nuclear fuel, you know, all of the, basically the materials for that construction and uh, obviously cheap uh, labor. I'm not going to go there. Um, but with all of that said, SMRs are exciting because they offer an alternative to that classic nuclear reactor design and timeframe and cost. And so in theory, these SMR designs can be bulk built, factory uh, factory built, and then assembled on site. So all of the, the major elements that would be essentially assembled at the site of the energy production would be built in a factory um, or multiple factories with those pieces essentially shipped and assembled at, uh, to, the, to the reactor site. Um, so you can kind of, uh, you, you can factory, factory build these things and knock them out one after another. So there's not necessarily a lot of unique elements that would go into individual sites. Okay. So there's, uh, we have this design, this is the design, and we can either license that design and that technology to a manufacturer. That's something that New Scale is doing with their Voyager SMR, um, or the company that's doing the design can actually build them themselves. Uh, so the, so it's, this is it, it's plug and play. And in the case of, let's say New Scale, for example, the modular portion of that is that these, these smaller reactors can be essentially kind of daisy chained. They can be um, uh, uh, assembled in line multiple reactors. So one of the stories I'm gonna speak about in a second is New Scale working with um, the country of Romania 
in one of the energy uh, utilities in Romania for a six module unit. So they have the Voyager module, which is 77 megawatts, if I recall correctly, and a six unit uh, module will end up being 300, whatever, 77 times six, uh, 300 something ish megawatts total for six of these reactors in line connected and then connected to the grid. And you can operate one at a time. You can do a three unit, a six unit, and up to a 12 unit for the new scale of design. Uh, like I mentioned, there's a bunch of different manufacturers. There's very, very small down to three, four, five megawatts and uh, up to, let's say, uh, you know, even up, upwards of 400 plus megawatts. TerraPower's Natrium Reactor is 345 megawatts and that can cycle up to 500. That's a really cool design as well. So um, this is an extremely exciting space. And this is a space that we are seeing more and more energy flow into, more and more attention. And the other thing is that the smaller size and the lower cost for these types of reactors can be implemented in places where large reactors otherwise would not be. These are smaller electrical grids. These are more remote locations. Uh, there, I know that the United States military is looking at SMRs for remote outposts. Um, they could potentially be used to power freight. Um, we saw an article, gosh, it must have been even almost two years ago about looking into SMRs to power um, to power ships for, for freighting that would replace diesel. I mean, the, the use cases for these are endless. And one of, the, one of the other really exciting use cases for these is the implementation of an SMR in place of a previous power plant, especially a, a highly polluting plant, such as a coal plant. That's what they're trying to do with the natrium reactor, TerraPower's natrium reactor in the state of Wyoming in the United States is replace um, a pre-existing coal plant. And so um, as these things continue to gain steam and as they start to get rollout, we believe that they are going to really, really gain a lot of momentum because it ticks all the boxes. They are safer. Some of these designs, such as New Scales Voyager, um, are essentially foolproof in that they can begin the process of, um, I don't want to say melting down, but before it even gets to a meltdown stage, the reactor can shut itself off without the necessity of uh, a human being interacting with the interface of that reactor. It's fully automated. Um, some of these are looking at um, um, safety, uh, accident tolerant fuels. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a very exciting space in terms of safety, cost, timeline, um, use cases for implementation, etc. So let me tell you some examples of stories that we've seen. And these I just dug up from, uh, this is literally from this week, okay? It's Wednesday. So this is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, three days. Here's some of the news stories that came out. Uh, the United States Last Energy, this is a SMR designer, signs an agreement with Poland to develop a 20 megawatt SMR. So that's on the smaller side. Canadian utility Sask Power has selected GE Hitachi's BWRX 300 SMR for its proposed SMR build campaign. So this is a Canadian utility in uh, Sask Power that are looking into implementing SMRs as, uh, as part of their energy mix. President Biden, I mentioned this yesterday or the day before, expressed support for SMRs at G7, mentioning New Scale by name, who intends to build their six-module Voyager SMR plant at the site of an existing coal plant in Romania, the U.S. contributing funding to a study prior to the implementation of the six-unit SMR plant. So we're actually hearing the president mention SMRs. Um, we're hearing the president's, um, what do they call him, the climate czar, uh, such an absurd title, John Kerry, talking about nuclear and SMRs and advanced nuclear, which SMRs tend to fall under. 
and so and, and actually putting funding towards this specific project in Romania to study the use case for this implementation. The Welsh government owner nuclear, uh, Welsh government owned nuclear development company. I'm going to butcher this. I apologize. Uh, so Quamini, so how can you have that many consonants in a row? C-W-M-N-I, Quamini Agino. I know I butchered that. I apologize. They're working with the, new, with the UK Nuclear Decommissioning Authority to seek development of SMRs. Here's another one. At Trosfinid, the site of two Magnox reactors now undergoing decommissioning. So these Magnox reactors are also smaller. These two together were less than 400 megawatts, but they're currently being decommissioned. Um, and they and they, the utility that owns this um, is working with the UK Nuclear Decommissioning Authority to implement SMRs in place of this nuclear plant that's being decommissioned. Um, there was another story about this same decommissioning that the, um, the Palisades plant that was just recently shut down, I believe it was in Michigan, this is last month or the month before, um, the sale of that plant went through and the, owner, the new owner of the plant that is actually undergoing the decommissioning of the plant wants to put SMRs in its place. Now that's a longer time frame because that's a long-term decommissioning, but either way, uh, the point remains. Uh, so this um, Quamini Agino, Agino, they want to begin construction of an SMR at this decommissioned site by 2027. And they're currently looking for technology partners for SMR designs. All right, so that's just a taste of some stories this week about SMRs. Now, the point I wanna make came from Segra, um, Art Hyde and Adam Rodman, who run Sager Capital Partners. That's a uranium-focused long and short fund. Brilliant guys have done an immense amount of work in the space. Okay, so one really interesting point that they made is that demand scenarios. Okay, so supply and demand forecasting that's been done by essentially everyone um, that looks deeply into this space, and we're primarily talking about in this case the nuclear fuel consultancies. So that's UXC, that's trade tech, and they put out supply and demand forecasts. And every two years, um, WNA will put out their um, nuclear, nuclear fuel supply demand forecast um, that goes out in September of each year. That'll come out again this year. It's been two years. And they have these um, supply and demand forecasts that go out based on their low, mid, and high scenarios. And those are based on um, essentially the demand side of that scenario and how how many reactors will get life extensions, um, how many will be decommissioned, how many new builds will out of the planned and proposed going out into the future will actually come to fruition, et cetera, et cetera. So typically you'll take the, um, uh, the, the mid scenario as kind of consensus, right? And so even in these high scenarios, and that might be baked into this year's um, nuclear fuel report coming from the WNA in the high scenario. But as of now, supply and demand forecasts and demand specifically going out into the future is not necessarily taking into account the onset of SMRs that should be coming online by the end of the decade. And one interesting point that Segra made was that a lot of these SMRs are advanced designs that are using HALU. This is high assay, uh, high assay, low enriched uranium. So this is this is um, enriched uranium that is higher in percentage of enriched yeah, of the uh, U two thirty five isotope 
um, than is typically used in a, in a normal reactor. So usually between three and 5% U-235. And that has to be enriched up from 0.7% U-235 that comes in natural uranium or the UF-6, the feedstock into the enrichment process. So these uh, advanced reactors, these SMRs that are going to be running on HALU will you know, be up to 19.9% uh, U-235, okay? They're, they're much higher enriched. And one of the benefits of utilizing this type of fuel and it depends on the design, but a number of them have very, very long run times between refueling cycles, potentially up to 20 years. Right now, you'll see a refueling cycle on average for these large reactors of about 18 months. 20 years. So if you're going to be running on 20 years, uh, a 20 year refueling cycle, and you're utilizing higher, uh, high assay, low enriched uranium, a higher percentage, right? So it takes more enrichment, takes more feedstock. Uh, takes um, uh, higher assays, that will end up getting uh, much, much larger initial core loads. So with a traditional reactor that has these 18, 24 month timeframes of refueling cycles, the initial core load is about 2x what they burn through in a year. And what they often do is when they go through a refueling cycle, they will replace one third of the core. That's on average, okay? So 2X, sometimes 3X, but let's just say 2X to be conservative. These initial core loads for a reactor that's going to run for 20 years are going to be much, much larger as a percentage of what they're going to burn through um, for that time period. So that's, that's a, I thought that was a really brilliant point that the, that the guys from Segra made. Uh, that the initial core requirements for these SMRs that have long run times are going to be large. That is, and what happens typically is once the reactor is going, undergoing the construction process, the utility that will be operating that reactor is going to go ahead and source that fuel. So if we say that SMRs, and this is, this is really like a 2030s story, we might see the early onset of these come in, in the late 2020s, 2028, 2029, 2027, at the very earliest, right? I know that the, the, TerraPower, um, the TerraPower company that's trying to put a SMR, the Natrium Reactor in Wyoming, they want to begin construction by 2025, okay? And they, I think they saw a two to three year timeframe for that construction. So much faster than a traditional reactor, it's much smaller. But when the reactor is under construction, if you have, let's say, a two, three, four year-ish time frame for the construction of the reactor, you're going to source that fuel ahead of time. And so we could actually see demand for these large initial core loads for these SMRs this decade. I mean, that could happen this decade. And that just adds on top of everything else that I talk about just about every day with the um, drastic uncovered nature of utilities at the end of the decade coupled with very large mines coming offline by that time frame. Primarily, that would be like the Cigar Lakes, you know, by the end of the decade. Because um, Adam Prom starting to decline to in, conduct, in production by the end of the decade. Um, so that's just, it just adds to the pile of catalysts for demand. And I just wanted to highlight that because I think that's really the future of nuclear is SMRs. And this technology is very exciting. It's gaining a lot of steam. Okay. Um, I think I went a little long-winded there, but I hope you are well. I will see you again tomorrow. Take care. Cheers.